the entertainment lighting podcast thanks for downloading we're talking about lighting the people that do it and how they do what they do we're on the web at castinglightpodcast.com we tweet at podcasting light and you can find us on facebook at casting light podcast i'm your host jason Marin. my co-host today is Teresa unfried hey jason welcome back Teresa. thank you very much for having me back um let's remind everybody what your company is and where they can find information about it I am the owner of Taj Event Productions, and our website is tajeventproductions.com. Uh, we can be found on Facebook at Taj Event Productions, I believe is just if you search that. And then on Twitter, our handle is at Taj Events. Thank you very much. Yep. And today our guest is John Tees. Welcome, John. Thank you. Glad to be here. John is a gaffer, a production electrician. He's a lighting designer and a lighting director. He's worked on television. He's worked in opera. He's worked on every kind of theatrical stage. And we're thrilled to have him. Now, I know that you and Teresa already know each other. And how is that? And what show is that? Well, it was, uh, we first probably worked together as an electrician. Uh, I think uh, it was on, second stage. On some crews, probably second stage and maybe a couple of uh, event stuff. Um, uh, Susanna Harris. Our lovely Ray. Susanna, uh, lovely Susanna Harris Ray now uh, <laughs> uh, introduced us and got of, us of working world, together. Of world stage, of world stage. She yeah. works over there at world stage now, and um, uh, I also had the lovely opportunity to light the lovely Teresa here in a theatrical production. Of, yes, that's right. Teresa used to be an actress. Yeah, <laughs> in another life. And uh, yeah, I had the opportunity to light you in a little off-off show. Yeah, uh, here in New York. Which was a wonderful experience, and we got to do some silly stuff on stage, and that was a good time. Yeah, you enjoyed that. All right, so let's get started. John, thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm really glad you're here. Um, you were just saying that you've been up since 5 a.m. What were you doing today? Currently, I was over at WABC, where I am a sub at the Live with Michael and Kelly show. Like I say, I fill in. I'm not the regular guy, but, you know, I do... Eight to ten shows a year, maybe 15 shows a year over there. And, you know, like this week, they tape a lot of shows for the holiday season. So uh, it's a it's a typical studio show. It's nothing special. Um, you know, it can be challenging at times, but uh, for the most part, it's a talk show. Um, it's a TV lighting director job. How many different setups are there for that? Typically, uh, there's three or four different setups. Uh, and then, you know, it depends if they have a live act or cooking segment, or cars, or whatever, you know, whatever they have on for the day. But, uh, you know, they do the host chat, which is a 20-minute top-of-the-show thing, where they do, you know, the hosts come out, they talk for a bit, and then they give away a prize and all that. And then they go on from there to uh, interview, uh, you know, some celebrity or whatever, and then go from, from there to, if they have an act, you know, a band, cooking segment, or whatever, uh, we've been do, just doing, you know, walk and talks kind of stuff, so nothing special uh, this week. They, you know, they fill in for the holidays. They, they, it's it's one of the rare situations. It, it's called live for a reason because it's a live broadcast that goes out over the air, and um, uh, it goes back to you know it's the original Regis show. It was Regis and Kathy Lee, and that's when I started as a sub up there. You've been on that since Kathy since Kathy Lee. Yeah, I started back there in '99. Isn't that crazy? Holy cow! Uh, Phil Widmer's the guy there. You, I don't know if you know Phil, but um, I don't. But uh, uh, yeah, Phil's been there since uh, you know the mid '90s and the late '90s, and I started filling in with him. And uh, you know when he's out, and 
been covering the show since uh, Regis was there. It's, you know, it's a television job, uh, which is kind of a change of pace for me, but uh, it's, it's, it's live. And that's what I've done all my life is live theater and live TV and, right. and that kind of thing. So that's, that's sort of my game. So. All right. Well, I mean, first I'll tell you a story. It's a, you know, so I'm the programmer on Rachel Ray. And we have Regis come in every so often to do a little bit. And, uh, you know, Rachel will do the promo for the show, which is, you know, like coming up right after Kelly and Michael. And whenever Regis is there, he goes, Kelly and who? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, but so, so you say uh, it's kind of, you know, like TV is kind of a departure for you. Uh, so what's been your career, uh, you know, outside of that and up till then? Uh, I mean, how far do you want to go back? I mean, I started. I started. Well, g- generally, we go back right to the beginning. Yeah. Right to the beginning. You want to go all, right, so. all the way back to the day you were born and decided <laughs> that you wanted to be. Well, a I can't person. start that early, but I, <laughs> I can go back to my first paying job, which was in 1979. Believe it or not, wow. I was 14 years old and I was working on a Nutcracker, a little local dance company, the semi-professional dance company. Ironically, and, they were doing it in July. And well. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was uh, friends of mine had pulled me in to, you know, pull the curtain and hang some lights. And I sort of fell in love with the business right from the beginning. Of, I mean, just dance, girls and things, you know. Sure. 14-year-old <laughs> boy. <laughs> there was a lot of good things about that. But uh, where I really got hooked up was doing community theater and uh, a, a very small company. And the guy who was lighting the shows was the lighting director over at CBS. And he would bring me into New York and sit me in the studio, and I'd watch him shoot the soaps, watch Guiding Light and As the World Turns and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, next thing I know, he's like, oh, my daughter dances in this dance troupe. You know, you should come and uh, work on uh, Nutcracker. And I said, okay, great, great, I'll work on that. Wow. You know, my dad had done some little things with the elementary school and all that, and I had run a follow spot before, so it was like, you know, I've been sort of brought into this little weird business from the beginning, you know, and uh, next thing I know, I was hanging lights and and, and working on shows. And, and, uh, and where was that? Uh, Ridgewood, New Jersey. I grew up in New Jersey, in, you know, northern New Jersey, right outside New York City, and it's close by. I could yeah. hop into the city anytime. You know, my parents would drag me in and see a Broadway show now and again or whatever. But, uh, you know, my little foray into the dance company and into regional theater, or community theater at that point, and uh, was, you know, just just like a, a, a introduction into the business. I got to see, I got to walk into CBS Studios when I was 15 years old and sit around and watch them shoot soap operas. It's amazing. That's a lot of kids' dreams. It was like, <laughs> you know, so I, I learned I learned quite a bit just from sitting around and watching people. And it was it was informative and, and a, a, an early opportunity. And, um, and then I got my hands on doing a lot of community theater a lot of uh, things like that, all before I even went to college. So it was a good opportunity. Um, in high school, I worked at a local TV station, which was uh, at that time a little cable access station. It used to be way back in the day, the cable TV companies had uh, you know, little local outlets in the right. high schools and things where you could broadcast your you know, sporting event or your local upcoming events and, and little newscasts and things. Well, you know, I did a little bit of that. And it sounds like my career started in television, and it didn't at all. It was really in theater. And the lighting director, who was worked at CBS for dozens of years before, said that's where you should get started. He said, go to theater, go study theater in school, do theater as, as long as you can, and that's, that's the foundation of everything in the entertainment business. 
in the lighting end of the entertainment business. It all right. really kind of comes from there. And so that's, uh, you know, that's kind of what I started with. Um, I, I got to give a lot of credit to his, uh, it was Lincoln Stulick was the lighting director over at CBS and he, you know, he retired in the, the late eighties, uh, from, from CBS, but, uh, he, you know, it really was a great opportunity to see what was going on in the business. And, uh, he introduced me into theater and dance and, and I went to school to study that. That's cool. That's so, uh, school. Where was that? Uh, Ohio university for undergrad. I did, uh, Three and a half years there, couldn't couldn't wait to get out because um, I was, you know, generally smarter than most of the people there. Uh, I did summer stock through them uh, up on Cape Cod. They had a summer stock company which still exists, Monomoy Theater. It was a great learning opportunity. I love summer stock. And then uh, they the, the school had a roadhouse on on campus, and that's was everything I learned. Everything I learned was was working the road shows, Broadway shows. Tours, concerts, jazz festivals. We had all that one of those of too. Yeah. yeah, we had one at NAU as well. It was great. That's where I started working in it too. And and from there, I got my opportunity to come to New York, and it was sort of back home for me because I grew up in New Jersey, and I, I worked at the Hudson Gill Theater, and Hudson Gill was a small off Broadway house at the time. Uh, I got hired in to be like a ATD slash ME on shows. And, uh, you know, I really wanted to be a, a lighting designer. I, that was my main focus and concentration uh, from school. And it was a pretty eye-opening thing to come into New York and realize that, well, it's a whole different game when you get here. Yeah. So I did a lot of off-Broadway. I, I did a year and a half with Hudson Guild and uh, freelance around a little bit. And then I decided that if I really want to make myself uh, into a designer and into a you know, real professional. I need to go back to school and get a bigger degree and, a, and, work, and be experienced in more, uh, I don't know how to say it, just in larger capacity. And that's right. uh, when I went back to grad school at University of Cincinnati, the Conservatory of Music, Opera Musical Theater School, big, big productions, huge lighting rigs. Yeah. And uh, the opportunity to do a quick two-year program, get in and out, and but get a lot of hands-on experience and a lot of design experience. Oh, what was the program there like? Uh, well, it's the number two opera uh, opera school in the country. It's uh, only behind Juilliard. So it's top-notch opera productions, great singers, uh, great performances, uh, terrific facility. Um, and really, uh, uh, when I was there, it was a very hands-on uh, operation. It was designing shows, uh, putting up shows, taking down shows, uh, shows every night, whether it was an orchestra or a concert or a, an opera, a play, you know. Right. It was a full, you know, two big, big theaters and a great place to learn and uh, and uh, get to do things. And and I love Cincinnati. Cincinnati was a terrific town to be in. Uh, unfortunately, there's not much work there once you get out of school. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, the... the uh, the, the city is uh, a great place to be, but there's not that many opportunities in Cincinnati, so I, I had to move on from there. And, you know, that, so when I left Cincinnati, I decided, well, I needed to, you know, not only go to New York, but explore other things, and I got hired on by, at North Carolina Shakespeare Festival. Um, did three, three full seasons there. Uh, theirs was a six-month season, so it was basically June to through Christmas Carol. Right. And... Um, uh, so it was summer repertory, a fall tour, and then come back and do tour Christmas Carol. Did that for three seasons. Um, was uh, delighted with that. 
came back to New York between between uh, festival seasons and did some more off Broadway, did some tours, all that kind of stuff. And that was uh, all as designer, as a lighting designer, as an electrician, as a uh, you know all around production person, uh, you know lighting director uh, for some of the shows for the t- for the tours and things like that. North Carolina, my job was the resident uh, ALD. Uh, Tom Hasey was the, the LD, and I basically, you know, did all of his shows on the road um, once the shows were set up in, in, the, in the main stage and all that. What were, what were their tours like? Did they, did they carry everything? Did they carry anything? It was the early 90s. The festival uh, was, uh, it had a significant budget at that point. It was still, it was a really good touring company. Um, uh, it was, you would consider it bus and truck, or, or we call it van and truck, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we tended to sleep in the location we played, but um, you know. So then we travel in the morning early, uh, have a four to six hour load in period, and uh, and do a show that night. And uh, rarely it was all one one offs. It was rarely two or three you know performances. So basically it was one offs and a lot of them. You know we would do thirty five, thirty eight shows in you know a month and a half, and it was. It was bang them out one offs. Wow! But it was a, a, a professional company, it was Lord B. Yeah. On the road, and it was uh, it was a good good situation. I really enjoyed doing it. It was uh, a lot of fun. It sounds more like a rock tour. Uh, uh, it was it was a rock tour, but it was Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> so it was you know it was a good time. It was uh, I learned a lot. I learned I learned how to run so many light boards you wouldn't even believe it because we were in and out of every kind of space you can imagine. We were in colleges. We were in roadhouses. We were in. Hole in the wall theaters that you you know you wouldn't believe and and you know I was running the console every night in a different situation so it was it was a terrific learning experience and that was all back before I mean there weren't there were plenty of computer boards but we were we were running manual boards all over the place I mean it was early nineties and there was still a lot of hodgepodge things out there before to you know kind of calm down and you know got a little more under control right I'm a little surprised you weren't carrying like a like a legal performer or something. Well, we we carried a very small lighting package for the smallest of small places. You know, if you played a gymnasium floor or something like that. But basically, we were relying on uh, house packages. Uh, most of the time, if we were playing a college or a small roadhouse, they would have a lighting package, and we would send a plot ahead and say, you know, hang this. We'll show up, set a load in in an hour and a half. And I'll focus right away, and boom. You know, within four hours, we had a show. It was Shakespeare, and it was good, but it was. Uh, it was a challenge, and yeah. I learned a lot from doing it. As okay, I'm yeah. sure. I'm, I'm sure. Sounds like it. Uh, the, the mid-'90s, I was back in New York. I worked for Sapsis Rigging. I worked for a lot of off-Broadway companies. And I continued to work as an ALD for dozens of designers, uh, but primarily Tom Hasse and Phil Monette, uh, Phil Whitmer a bit, and, and um, uh, spent a good, good bit of 10 years between, you know, 90 and 99 or so. Uh, working as an ALD, working as uh, a young designer in regional theater, did a bit of regional theater, and starting to do off and off off Broadway theater as a designer, as an electrician, as a production electrician on on smallest things, and then I got into industrials and fashion and things. And how did that happen? I was working for Sapsis, mm-hmm. and you know that might sound kind of funny, a rigging company, but Michael was lighting shows at the time. Well, I mean, SRI is sort of more full service. Than, they were, and they were even more full service in the '90s than than, than um, they are now. Than they are now. Michael and I are very close. We 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 did a ton of shows together, and um, 
in the mid '90s, uh, uh, I was pretty much his electrician. He would have a plot together and all that, and I would come in and make sure everything was done right, get it rigged, get it up and hung and and working, and then take over the show for him. So yeah, I did a lot of. I, that's where I started doing fashion, and I I branched out from there. But um, that got me into the whole fashion week scene, sort of right from the beginning. Right. Um, the the tents were beginning in Bryant Park. I was doing the library spaces. You know, we were twice a year banging out these fashion shows. And I got to work with you once. <laughs> I have to say, it's a heck of a thing. It, it was good. It was fun. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot little, of fun. little bit crazy. It was Bryant Park. Um, was, I moved on. I moved on from uh, Sapsis, uh, and I still worked with them on occasion. But I'm not a climber. I never really was a climber, so I didn't do any high rigging and that kind of stuff. But. Uh, uh, Michael's not really lighting shows. He really went back to his forte, which is rigging shows. And, and so I, I decided to move on a little bit from that. I spent a couple of years with JKLD uh, back in the early days, uh, you know, late 90s or so. And then... Well, there's uh, a good chance that some of the folks listening don't know what JKLD is. It was uh, Jan... Especially now that JKLD doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, it was Jan Cruz's company. Uh, Jan, Jan still lights shows, and he's around. He, he worked with BLT quite a bit, but... But JKLD was a substantial uh, force in the in the lighting industry, uh, as far as lighting fashion shows and, and industrials and things. Very much. And um, so I did a number of things with them, but I found myself competing uh, for production electrician and gaffer type jobs with them. It it seemed like there was eight electricians fighting for six jobs all the time, and it was one of those things where I saw an opportunity to kind of break away from that, and that's when I met Rob Strohmeyer. And went to, to work with Robbie and uh, Strohmeyer Lighting, which since 2002 has been a significant part of my business. And Do you design for him? I, I've designed some. You have some, designed with him? Some things I have. Uh, I like working with Robbie. Pr- primarily, uh, I am his uh, production electrician. Mm-hmm. I've done every major event that he's done since 2002. He's, he's Miami with you, right? That's, we, we do, you guys go to Miami? We do Miami together. Fashion. Yep. We do New York Fashion Week. We do uh, lots of corporate events, yeah. uh, Yahoo, Matrix, uh, all these major corporate events throughout lots of throughout things. the country. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, that has been, you know, a, a significant uh, portion of my income and uh, uh, activity throughout the year. Um, probably a good 50 to 60 percent of my work is with Rob Strohmeyer throughout the year. So at this point, what would you say is the percentage, like, you know, shows you design versus shows you're the gaffer on versus shows you're straight production? Well, my design career, I mean, this is all, you know, it's sort of wishy-washy about that. But my my design career and my design ambitions sort of curtailed a bit around 2001, 2002, as I realized that that is a very competitive industry, a very competitive parts of the industry. And I'm a nuts and bolts guy. Always have been. From way back in the beginning, you know, when I was pulling the curtain at Nutcracker, I, you know, and, and even a few years later when I was designing the lights at Nutcracker, (laughs) it was a whole different animal. You know, it, it, I, I kind of moved on from the design and, and ALD part of the business. It's not that I don't do it anymore, but, um, I, I, I've curtailed that quite a bit. Uh, some of it's monetarily and some of it is because it's just, it's, it's a part of the business that's not as interesting to me, basically, because I am a nuts and bolts guy, and that's that's really what I've done. It's more interesting to do with the ME positions and the production electrician 
Uh, yeah, I've 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 found that it's. I understand I, that. I, I don't know. I, it's hard to say it's more interesting. Well, one one of the things my my career is, is I'm a terrible example of somebody to follow a career. <laughs> believe me, because I've done kind of everything. Everything, yeah. You know, I, I I've designed regional theater. I mean, I've done eight shows in Madison Rep, and I did shows in Chicago and shows in North Carolina and all over the place. But that being said, it was very competitive and very difficult to make a living at doing that. Small to mid-sized regional theater is not a moneymaker, that's for sure. And then you get into, you know, back in New York, you're fighting for jobs doing little off-Broadway and off-off-Broadway. And, you know, I would do shows for friends as a designer for Guinness, you know, so it was, uh, you know, and I enjoyed it. It was great, but sure. you don't pay the rent with Guinness. So, no. it's, uh, you know, so it's, you have to kind of pick and choose what you want to do and pick and choose your projects. So uh, I would say currently Strohmeyer is probably 50% of my work. Corporate events, fashion shows, things in town, out of town, all over the place. 25% of my work is probably my off-Broadway home, second stage theater, I've been a production electrician there since 1997 or 98 or so. Wow, that's um, a, a long gig. It, uh, it's sort of my little off-Broadway home, and I can go into that in more detail. But it's uh, four shows a year on the main stage. They have an uptown space where they started, uh, which is two more shows a year. So it's six times a year. It's not like it's a, it's a huge gig, but it's a regular gig. And that's one of the things in the business you want. A yeah. regular, you want a regular gig. So you have, I, I got my second stage thing, I got my Strohmeyer thing, and then the other 25% of the year, I'm, I'm freelancing all over the place. Whether it's WABC, whether it's, you know, doing a fashion show at FIT, whether right. it's doing a rigging project for Sapsis. And since I'm sort of multi-talented across multi-parts of the business, it gives me an opportunity to kind of do everything and keep my, keep my life interesting. Would I recommend it to anybody? No, not at all. It's crazy. <laughs> it's a crazy, insane lifestyle, but it's a lot of fun. I like getting up for work every day. So that's that's a lot to say right there. <laughs> well, you know, our first let, you know, I'll tell you the one of our recent guests was George Guntas, and we spoke about what a gaffer is, what a production electrician is, and where that sort of what the sort of difference is. What would you say the projects are that have gaffers? What would you say the projects are that have production electricians? Well, first of all, I got to say, George Gunther is, is a good old friend of mine. Matter of fact, his first couple of jobs out of school was was working with me. I think that the gaffer job versus the production electrician job, yes, they're very different. The gaffer is uh, that tends to be television and uh, higher profile jobs, high end uh, kind of shows, um, and that's a little more towards the design end. Uh, there, there is some of that, but um, it's compared to a production electrician. You got to you got to know the in, inner workings of the designer and how to you know balance follow spots and keep the balance between the the, the production part of it and the uh, designer part of it um, equalized. I mean, it's uh, uh, the production electrician is more uh, Nelson Bolts guy is going to put a show in in the off Broadway sense, put it in, install it, get it up and going, and then you know you can walk away. Broadway, a lot of the production electricians stay on with the show. A lot of them will actually run the show or then turn it over to somebody to run the show. But they stay on on a day-to-day, week-to-week thing for maintenance and all that kind of stuff um, as they move on to other projects. But they, they still keep in contact with the show. Um, Broadway production electricians get a weekly because they, they keep up with the maintenance and all that kind of stuff. Off-Broadway is a different story. It's not union. It's, uh, you know, you, you put in a show and you walk away and it's done. 
once it's into previews and, and opening and all that. So well, and there's shorter runs too, right? I mean, because yeah, you're yeah. you're looking at Broadway, who could be on for they could no, no, be no. up. Fantastic was off Broadway, and <laughs> well, <laughs> that's true. And that's and true. Blue Man Group and things like right. that have run forever. Right? So. No, no, no. You're right. You're yeah. right. So I mean, the, yes, but uh, the production electricians, it, it, it's a weird title, but it, it's basically you're putting the show in and uh, and then letting somebody else operate the show especially in off-Broadway situations where there's not usually uh, a large electrics crew, if, if at all. There's usually a board op who just runs the show. Maybe you got a decalec if it's a bigger show, but that's about it. So once I put shows into second stage, it's, it's, it's a walk-away job for me. You know, and like I say, it's four times a year. I get it up and going. And it's, a, it's a great house to work in. It's really terrific people and all that. But the operation of the show is turned over to a, a, a guy to, to take care of it. That makes sense. Also, you see, you said that uh, the gaffers are primarily on television, um, and so you've been doing you did you did that in the beginning, and you're still doing that now. Uh, and I, I could say I did very little TV as uh, when I was younger. I, primarily, uh, I did theater, and and TV kind of fell into my lap at a, a later situation, and um, uh, so. Over at WABC, I, I'm, I'm a sub. I'm not the regular guy, so and I, I, I sort of love the job because it's, I'm the substitute teacher. But at the same time, it's a big pain in the butt because I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you haven't been there the whole I'm time. Walking into, I'm walking into a studio. It's like, oh, my God, what, what is all this stuff, and what are they doing? What's it for? And everybody else knows exactly what's going on except for me. So it's... <laughs> well, here's the cue list. Yeah. Here's do they the... give you... Yeah, I was going to say, do they give you like a... Oh, yeah, and, and since I... Done Some the show. Homework. And since I've done the show for so many years, I I, I get enough. I get the general gist of it. It's just that when you haven't been in a studio for six months and you walk in and you go like, Oh, that's where everything well, is. What do they do here? And yeah. they kind of, well, they screwed something up, and you know, so it's it's a little bit of a challenge, but sure. uh, it's a it's a good gig, you know. I I I I, I kind of have a love hate relationship with it. Uh, I'm not really a TV guy, but. Uh, it's a great opportunity to do something different. It kind of gives me a great change of pace. I was gonna say, yeah, nice and, change of pace for it. And and, uh, and uh, for the most part, uh, oh, I hate the hours. I mean, it's early it's a, in the morning. It's a morning show. Yeah, got to wake up early. None of us are morning people. <laughs> I don't think morning person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So we didn't get in. We didn't get into this industry so that we could be up in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I mean, you got you got to look at it that that way. Yeah. It's it's a little tough to get up and you know be at the studio early and all that. And it used to be worse. Uh, the back in the Regis days, the show was back to back with the local news, so you couldn't even get into the studio until seven a.m. You couldn't even enter the studio until seven a.m. until the local news went off the air. Oh my gosh. So there was nothing that happened at all. And it, and uh, and it was a very tight turnaround to go live at nine a.m. with a band or a, you know whatever a, you know any kind of segment or whatever. It was a very tight turnaround because they couldn't even load the band in or they couldn't do any kind of setup before that. So often and even now still in, in certain situations, they're they're the bands you know rehearsing at eight eight twenty eight thirty. They still got to load an audience in and and, and you're live at nine a.m. Yeah, it's um, wow. Yeah, it's quick. It's quick and dirty, but that's you know one segment of the show. The rest of the show is it's in the box. You know, the, for the most part, the walk and talk stuff is all there. It's all it's set. It's all set. Yeah, you know, very little to do for that. But 
when you have a segment, you know, it's a cooking segment, they bring in cars, they do something on the street, you know, it, and they're, I don't know if you watch the show, but it's, it's kind of, it's, it's one of these crazy talk shows. It's not just sit there and behind the desk and talk. Yeah, it's, they don't, they, they move yeah. around. I mean, yeah. even their interviews, I think with um, celebrities and stuff, they do in a completely different area than where they were. Well, the desk, you, or do they just move the desk out? And they, then move, they move the desk out and it's, 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 it's very close to the same yeah. location, but it is lit slightly different. It is different. Yeah, it's a little. Lot, so. Uh, and, you know, there's a, a little bit of trick of learning how to light for TV versus learning how to light for theater. Right. Uh, you know, my theater background is thrown out the window sometimes when you walk into a television studio because you're like, whoa, you know, you, move something, that, yeah. you move something two points and it's all over the place on the camera. And you're like, whoa. I didn't know that yeah. would do that. So uh, it, it's there's a learning curve to that. But, you you know, you got to remember what you're doing and, and right. balance to the cameras. And, and it's and it's. One of the first times when I started working there was like a, I realized this is the one audience I'm not lighting for the audience at all, at all. Yeah, we don't even care what the audience look. You know, no, it's it all about like what it looks like on camera. Because there's ninety thousand people watching the show live, right? That <laughs> across, audience across the country, right? And you know, it's uh, you know, it's uh, it's well, it's, it's that audience that cares yeah. what it looks like. It, it's it's all for the camera. Yeah. So, and basically, fifteen minutes before the the show starts i go up to the control room and sit up there and call the cues i have no idea what it looks like from the floor <laughs> you know <laughs> so, so how did you learn the how, how, you know have you been able to apply any of what you know in theater to this or how did you learn the, the things you need to know for television well i think the the, the way you learn the way you a, approach television is a little bit different but there, there are some nuances of, of theater and theatrical lighting that you can play into it. Now, the talk show part of it is talk show, and you, you're lighting that to be lit for camera. But when you do uh, an act, when you do a band, when you do some kind of thing, you know, whatever, it can, you can get a little more theatrical, especially the bands. You can add some side light in. You can you really do some a little more dramatic things. So you can do some flash and trash with the with the limited amount of moving lights that are there. Right. But you can you can do some things that are uh, more theatrical in in a sense. It's it's still limited and you still got to balance for the the camera to make sure the, the key people look good on camera. Uh but you can actually have a little bit of fun. There's opportunities there. It's very limited and you may have only from 8:15 to 9 a.m. to figure it out. To figure it out, yeah. which isn't a lot of time. And and actually, it's often much shorter than that because they want to load the audience in at eight thirty. So could be eight fifteen, eight thirty, <laughs> to, to light a band. You know, you might they might rehearse the song twice. No, it's not just to light it; it's to no. see it on camera and then adjust make the sure levels it's all good. and you it's, know make sure it, the blue isn't blooming. And it's all of that, and it's it's quite a challenge. So you know, there's stuff you pull out from previous performances and stock cues that you can hopefully work as from a base and then work from that. Did you learn it but, from experience when you started on the television? Or yeah, was pretty, it, pretty it much. Was pretty much being there and working. Pretty much, pretty much on the fly. Yeah. Uh, I didn't I didn't have a lot of opportunity to, to time to figure it out. And back in the old studio, when it was still Regis, it was, it was a little more challenging because it really wasn't set up to do very much at all. Right. Uh, the new studio, there's a lot more equipment. Which is well, they've updated, better. I think, since then. Yeah, and yeah. there's a ton of LEDs and all that kind of stuff. So that that kind of that kind of part of it is uh, it gives you a little more versatility, but you still only have 15 to 20 minutes to light, a, light an act, and that is where the real challenge of the show is. And then you're live, and it, for me, it's great because uh, I I've always done live performances. It's I, I you go back to 
high school and dance yeah. and college and summer stock and tours and everything I've done my entire life has been for a live audience. So it's, it's what you're used to. It's it's great because yeah. it's the same thing when you're doing live television. You're on the air and you don't have a choice. You got to get it right. And sometimes when you're on, <laughs> when it's you're, live. And you're, when you're on the air nationwide, it's it's even more of a challenge because yeah. you got to get it right. Yeah. So they don't like it when you screw it up. <laughs> no, I wouldn't think so. <laughs> uh, so since so much of your work is is with Strohmeyer now, uh, well, can you tell me a little about the relationship there and how it works and what it, what what quite it is that you're doing when you work on those shows? Uh, yeah, with with Robbie, I do. Primarily fashion shows, corporate events, and, uh, uh, you know, parties and, and uh, live event stuff in, in town. For the most part, I work as his, his right-hand guy. I'm, I'm his electrician. Uh, he has enormous faith in me of executing the shows uh, as a production electrician. He'll do the drawings. He, he's, he does great, fantastic drawings. He does a lot of uh, detailed work up front. And he gives me the, the information. He works very closely with the client. I work very closely with the shops to pull the gear, to get everything set, to line up the crews uh, and get everything installed. Uh, for example, a fashion show. And when we've done fashion shows, I, I, I go way back to the Bryant Park days in the tents with doing fashion shows with Robbie. And we've done a zillion different setups of tents. And uh, uh, just because uh, over time they've changed uh, and um and, and so it's it's new creative ways to, to working in the space, but uh, I'm I'm really his right hand guy, and he'll he'll say it. You know, it, I keep him in check with uh, all the power situations and all the you know equipment and what's available at the shop and all that. He he keeps me in check and uh, making sure we don't spend too much money. And he's a he's a one man wrecking team. He's uh, he's. He runs a real type shit with his business, but that does an excellent job, and I, we, we get along great. Like I say, I, I take care of plugging his stuff in for him and make sure the the shows get executed correctly. It's um, it's a good working relationship. Um, uh, I've I've lit a number of shows for him. Uh, I've done a lot of uh, events. We've done events in Vegas and San Francisco and and uh, New Orleans and around the country. We have a, a couple large corporate clients like Yahoo, Matrix. And uh, we 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 do uh, a lot of their big big shows. Um, well, like what what's the standout one that you can actually talk about that you didn't have to sign an NDA for? One <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, one of the biggest shows we did was uh, in 2006. We did a huge conference for uh, Matrix, which is a hair care company. MGM Grand, Las Vegas. We had an arena show. That's the green one. Yeah, that's the big green mm-hmm. building. Uh, we had an arena show, and then we had. 10 ballrooms in the MGM Grand. Uh, each sat anywhere between 800 and 1,000 people. Each had a, a fully lit stage, four camera. Basically, it was all, it was a giant conference for hair care professionals. You know, one room would be hair coloring, the next room would be hair styling, the next room, I don't know how to use a blow dryer. Was, uh, yeah, whatever. There, there were like hundreds Curling of Curling irons and curlers. <laughs> and then the arena show was a giant party. Um, and it was, a, you know, it was a huge corporate conference. We loaded it in in two days. Basically, uh, the 10 ballrooms loaded in in one day. Uh, I, had, I brought 14 electricians from New York. We were on two different levels, so I had, uh, you know, five 
uh, heads in each, you know, one head for each room on, on one level, five on one level, five on another level. I had a head on each floor, so I could go to a guy on each floor. And then I had two people out in the arena. And all of this loaded in basically a two-day period of time, two, two to three days before the conference started. It was a huge undertaking, but it was a giant success. And, um, you know, it was, it was a lot of challenges. And yeah. that was one of, one of the bigger shows that we've, we've done together. Uh, we've done a lot of other corporate events. We used to do parties for MTV. We used to do a lot of, a lot of small stuff around town for different clients. And then uh, done 10 years of Miami Fashion Week. So when did you start doing corporate events? Back in the early 90s when I first hooked up with Sapsis, I did a bunch of little things with them. Uh, but as really as a production electrician for major corporate events uh, was when I started working with Rob Strohmeyer in around 2002 or so. Well, so that's uh, 12 years now? Yeah. Uh, I know the corporate events business changes. I mean, if you had someone from that did theater in the 70s and did theater now, it, I mean, it, you know, the, the equipment has changed. But it's not a drastically different thing, you know. Well, hey, you know, there's more actors mic'd than ever before, and there's you know, these 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 things that move around that I haven't seen, never seen before. But it's it's not unrecognizable. But I feel like, as I understand it, corporate events sort of morph depending on the style of the day, and that a corporate events somebody that did corporate events in the '70s would wouldn't even even recognize what we do today as corporate events. Uh, yeah, and I th- I think uh, corporate events have gotten a lot more slick. A lot more, uh, you know, really cleaned up around the edges and uh, and all that. Uh, there's a lot more video production. Uh, IMAG, of course. You're talking about from 12 years ago to now. Even from 12, yeah, and 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 even before that. But but yeah, in the last 12 years, there's been an enormous jump in just technology, uh, not only in the lighting end, but in especially in the video end. I mean, you know. Uh, the, the quality of, uh, of the cameras and the projectors and all that has, has made enormous leaps as well. Um, and I, I think that the overall look of productions corporate-wise has, has made a huge changes. Now, I saw a big change from 2002 to 2008 when people had money, and then from 2008 to 2012 when people had no money and were trying to do big shows. And it was... But there's been a lot of big changes. For me, the biggest change was, you know, in the late 90s and early 2000s, I was still running a lightboard. Now I hire people to run lightboards because so much more stuff has been involved. We're feeding video through lightboards. We're running tons of LEDs. We're running a lot of a quantity of moving lights. I mean, we used to hang, you know, a couple dozen Lecos and, you know, four moving lights and called it a show. And they're not like that anymore. They're they're much more advanced. So I've, I've I've gotten better people to run the corporate events and the big parties and things like that, and then I concentrate on the nuts and bolts part of putting a show up and, and getting that part of the, the job done. And and I think it, I think it's it's better to have a, a quality operator. Um, I agree. To do that kind of thing, those big corporate parties I've I've done you know like the Waxman event I I, I do that every year, things like that. Um, you know, some of them are enormous, and they they'll bring in a big rock band and all that kind of stuff. And there's there's a well, very large. Can, can we talk about the Waxman event? Sure. sure. No, it's, I don't know if we're supposed to or not. It's you know, so it's uh, well, you can you can tell us what it is. Uh, I, I, I programmed it for three years. Yeah, it's the Samuel Waxman uh, Cancer Foundation. It's a huge cancer foundation. Uh, Andrew Grant was a lighting designer on that. Uh, I've known Andrew for years. He, he We've worked together on a, a myriad of projects, but the event is uh, very large. It's done in one of the big armories in New York. 
and we've had uh, major acts along with the show, the party itself. Some 1,100, 1,200 people come to these parties uh, and fundraisers. Uh, they usually have some kind of big auction. They auction off a lot of big items as, as their big fundraiser thing, and then they'll have an act, Shell uh, uh, Crow or Kid Rock and things like that. I uh, can't even remember all the people we've done. I, I did well, well, the first one I did was um, Steve Winwood. Steve Winwood, right. Which remains one of the best shows I've ever seen. Yeah, and it, we, we adapt a rock and roll rig to put over a stage area, um, and then we have uh, party lighting throughout the hall. So uh, it's it's an enormous rig, and as a matter of fact, it's sort of a double rig because you have a rock and roll rig at one end, and you have a party lighting rig over the uh, the rest of the tables. And when you're doing these corporate events where you're seating for dinner, 1,100, 1,200 people, and then you're doing a rock show on top of it. It's, uh, it's a lot of stuff to, to, uh, to put up in a short amount of time. The, the challenges of it, of course, are just executing it and keeping it clean and, and satisfying the rock part of the show as well as the corporate part of the show and making the whole uh, operation look really slick. Again, I'm the nuts and bolts guy. I try, I try to make sure that it all gets plugged in right and, um, and then turn it over to an operator who can uh, make it look pretty. I know you, you worked on a, a, a number of the first couple of ones I did, and yeah. um, I, I thought they were very successful. This sort of, you know, it's a benefit dinner with a concert inside it is kind of typical uh, around here now. I mean, the scale of Waxman is very different from a lot of them, because a lot of them are sort of like, well, you know, we're a benefit thing. We're not trying to spend, say, $20,000 on the lighting for the concert part of our benefit show. We need that $20,000 for our mission. But if someone is sponsoring it, like in this case, then sure, go ahead. Well, and uh, there are, and a lot of groups, and you can go right down to off-Broadway benefits for, for theaters to corporate benefits to not-for-profit benefits. Like the benefits. second stage benefit that we had at my event venue. <laughs> well, yes, and, and we've done a, a number of those things. I, I used to light the ones down, that were down at the Hammerstein for for, uh, for four or five years before they moved over to your venue. <laughs> oh, that was just for one year. They, 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 yeah. They've moved on. Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, I was the production electrician for their big one this year that was over at Terminal 5. But nevertheless, all of these big events now, uh, I think they want to show that if you spend some money, you make even more money. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, if, if you do a small event, you're not going to make a lot of money. If you do a bigger event... And the more people you can bring in and the, the, the bigger the show. I mean, look at the Robin Hood thing. It's crazy. It's out of control. It's so big. And they make huge amounts of money on those, those kind of shows. The Waxman makes quite a bit of money. And a lot of it's off of the uh, auction part of the show and all that. And they, people pay a lot of money to go to the, the dinner and all that as well. I used to do a, a gig with the PRG for years. I did the Huluween which is a big Halloween spectacular. It was all celebrities. It was in the Grand Ballroom at the, at the Waldorf. Uh, and, That's a difficult venue. And uh, I've done dozens of shows there. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, the, uh, the, I mean, w- one year we had Crosby, Stills, Nash. One year we had uh, uh, Gloria Stefan and the Miami Sound Machine. Uh, you know, and that kind of, I mean, I did it for three, four years. And uh, every year it seemed like the act was going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And just to get the celebrities and get the, the high rollers into the, the event so they would give more money. So it was, it was one of those things. Get The bigger the act, the more celebrities show up, the more money comes in, 
the bigger the act, the more celebrities come in. It, it just every year grew and grew and grew. So it, it's, uh, you know, and those kind of shows, that's kind of what a lot of the game is in that part of the business. Again, it's, you know, the difference between live corporate events, fundraisers, and, and uh, live corporate events for companies that are just trying to do uh, an event for, you know, for internally, you know, whether it's a global sales meeting or whatever that kind of thing is. Uh, the the budgets can often be different because a lot of the corporate events you're not hiring a big act to do a show you're just you know you're just trying to do a show for the for the company itself and these fundraiser shows you're doing you, they often want a big act of some sort to go along with the fundraiser part of the show try to make the money uh, there's a lot of it out there for that <laughs> yeah so, so you know uh, you started in 1979 as a professional which is you know that's that's a pretty good portion of your life. No, it was 14, but yes. Yeah. Um, you were young. So what, what can you tell me about what you've seen change over that time in the business as a whole, but also in theater? Well, uh, and especially in theater, and, and where the, the roots of it, a lot of it comes from outside of theater and comes into theater, uh, is technology. The technology growth is spectacular. I mean, back in the day, I mean, the, the Altman was a spectacular unit. We were dealing with things that were ancient Kleagles and sentry units and all kinds of stuff. Oh, and, yeah, that, that axial, uh, the axial source really changed the, the projection. The 360Q, which is late 70s, early 80s, that was like a big deal back then. And I remember going to LDI in 92, which was my first LDI I went to, and they were introducing the Source 4. And things took off from there. And uh, moving lights... In, when I was in grad school, the Verilite was a very proprietary thing. You, you were barely allowed to touch it, you know, to set it up, and that was it. You weren't allowed to look inside. Oh, my God, you couldn't look inside a Verilite. And suddenly, you know, the industry grew rapidly throughout the 90s, and then the technology of consoles really took off in the 2000s, I think. You know, the computer console was around since the early mid-'70s, but I think consoles made huge amounts in the past 10 years. That, that I think that's some of the biggest change in the, in the industry um, in recent years. Uh, obviously, moving lights has made a, a, an enormous difference. When I first started using, you know, cyber lights and techno beams. And the, well, what were they being used for back then? All of it um, came out of the rock and roll world. And although I didn't do very much rock and roll, I've loaded in a few shows here and there or whatever. Um, uh, the music industry spurred a lot of the look of the lighting rig, and the motion of light and and lighting has changed quite a bit. Broadway shows didn't have moving lights when I was watching them in the '80s. I mean, very few, if any. And you know, well, I remember being being blown away by the I think it was the six VL sixes in um, Bring Into Noise, Bring Into Funk. Yeah, I mean, there was they've made huge leaps and bounds from there. Now you can't go to a Broadway show without seeing 40, 50 moving lights, and that could be a small rig, and there could be some with, with, with huge amounts after that, you know. So, um, And now you go in corporate theater and stuff. I mean, it, 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 it depends on what you're doing, but some shows are, are almost all moving lights, or 70 80% of it is moving lights. What drives so, the technology and what drives the adoption of that technology? Uh, well, some of it is uh, versatility. As a matter of fact, a lot of it is. And, well, and, and being a production electrician of a theater at Second Stage, I've seen the, the kind of gamut. I've seen, because we've done musicals and we've done plays and all that kind of stuff. And even the simplest moving light, like an audio yoke, 
in the theater sense has become revolutionary to what you do for specials. Because mm-hmm. you used to hang 25 specials. Now you hang two audios and you got your 25 specials. Right. And, and, and so the versatility of that has become, and, and that's, that's technology. That's right there. Now, the, the audio is a brilliant unit. It doesn't do a lot, but it looks exactly like all the other lights you just hung up there. So when you hang a 300-instrument plot at second stage and you hang 10 audio or 8 audio suddenly you've in, infinitely increased your opportunity to do specials and certain things that sure. you, wouldn't have, you wouldn't have had the, the opportunity to do before. Sure. And both in the design sense of it and in the technology electrician part of it, it's given the opportunity for the creativity to happen that way. And simple moving lights, pro, the programmers don't need to be as skilled or as advanced, and, and, and nor the consoles. Second stage regular console, in-house console is still an O2. Now, the Obsession 2 was a fantastic board 10 years ago. <laughs> I think I have one in my shop if anyone needs one. Well, uh, honestly, we haven't actually used it in a show in about five <laughs> years. It kind of sits over in the corner. We rent uh, an Ion, and the new package, which is being purchased months from now, is going to include a full EOS. I, I, the, and that's part of the whole growth in the industry, and I think there's a big change in the industry since the console opportunities have, have grown and the people who can run them. I mean, back in, back in the early 80s and, uh, and early 90s, the rock and roll consoles were a different animal to compared to the theater boards. And it was, it was a different animal and a different programmer, a different type of programmer. Um, and, so, you know, when I had guys who were very proficient on the early ETC boards, the microvisions and the expressions and express boards and that kind of thing, the O2 was a huge step from there, and then the ION was yet another step from there. So uh, I, I don't think that track of person was into the, uh, the MA boards or the whole hogs or the, that, that, that seemed to be a different part of the business. Um, no, that's fair, and I, and I think I'm, I'm glad that that's changed. You know, people, we've stopped uh, thinking I, of things as theater boards. We've stopped thinking of things as theater lights. Right. We stopped thinking of people as theater people. You know, there are people that, like yourself, work across multiple ends of the business. I mean, that's part of what this whole podcast is about. It's, you know, it's working in television and in events and in, and in theater and, you know, doing architectural installations. Yeah, and and the best part of it is that now it's, a lot of it's become user affordable against uh, across all of them. The, the theaters can now afford to buy LED fixtures, and Broadway uses LED fixtures and moving lights like crazy. And even off-Broadway, you'll, you'll see it more and more. And, and now, yes, the consoles have crossed over. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and everybody's using the same kind of thing. And there's so much more out there than there was 20 years ago, 15 years ago. It, there's just that much more opportunity to use those things. They're more user-affordable because there's so much more of it. And uh, you, you just see, you, you see the, all of it in, in all aspects of the business. I mean, one of the great things I have is because I work in all aspects of the business. I've designed shows, I've electrician shows, I've gaff shows, I've worked in television. I've, I've done live events on just about every scale and every size. And, uh, you know, uh, I've seen the technology jump in leaps and bounds. And it was funny because I watched sound do it first. Audio jumped ahead of lighting really fast in the 90s. And lighting kind of trotted its way along and started catching up. 
And, uh, and now it's like the lighting industry has exploded with the LEDs, has exploded with the moving lights and the variety of moving lights. And every year, the, I, mean, I don't even go to LDI anymore because there's so many things out there anyway. <laughs> and half of it's Chinese crap that doesn't work very well. And the other half of it is going to be here in New York anyway. And I'm going to rent it from the shop next week. Right. So, uh, you know, it's just. You go do a showcase somewhere down at the shop and they'll show you all the stuff that they've got. That's right. New. And, well, it, and I feel like it's one of the laments of, you know, working in the business, part of the business where you rent everything. It's like you can only ever have what the rental shops buy. Correct. And unless you're one of the people that can seriously say, I want these and I'll rent them often enough to make it worthwhile for you to buy them, it doesn't matter the cool thing you saw at LDI if no one in your city buys it. Right. And I, I've when I went to LDI, I did in the 90s a lot, but I haven't recently. You know, you'd walk around and you'd say, oh, that's all real great. Do they have that over production arc? Do they have that at Bash? Do they have that at Four Wall or, you know, whatever? And are they going to buy 30 of them? Because... You no, have to buy no, what it's worth. Right. Nobody yeah. who, who I'm working for is not going to buy any of it, right? Right. Strohmeyer owns virtually no equipment. Uh, JKLD, IMCD, uh, BLT. Uh, they don't. They, they, we they, don't either. The, I mean, New York theaters is, even New York theater in general, I mean, the Broadway shows don't own any of that gear or very little of it. It's all rental. Second Stage owns 220 fixtures, a couple of dimmer packs, and... A console. It's a rare animal but to find one. And, that and, that's, and that's huge. And that's, and that's actually pretty big. They wanted to cut down on their rental cost of Lecos. But other than that, the main bulk of the package of the smart stuff, everything from scrollers and moving lights and two-way PDs and all that kind of stuff is all brought in extra because it's going to be different for it's every gonna show. It's going to change. It's going to be different for every show anyway. And each designer is going to want to do their job uh, individually. You know, each show has individual needs. I mean, I got a show going on the second stage next next month. It's probably one of the smallest shows I put in there. It's, a, it's 130 fixtures. It's crazy. I don't know what to do with them, all my extra lights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Restore. But you know, you know, a year and a half ago, I had I had to rent 300 extra lights. You know, I had mm-hmm. almost a 600 instrument plot in there, and dimmers out the wing wang, and all kind. Of, you know, and and moving lights and everything. So it's 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 really hit and miss uh, over there, and it's a great opportunity because I work with some of the best designers in the world, and it's the full gamut in that place. So you know, I get to see in the theater sense of the world what they're doing because I work with a lot of the big Broadway designers at Second Stage, and then the industrials and the fashion shows and all that, with working with Strohmeyer and, and others, uh, I get to see the, the and the corporate events. I get to see the other end of the business right. and kind of mash it all together. All right. Do you have any final thoughts? Don't get into this business. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we don't want to do just, that I one. thought you just said that you, li- that you, you, li- like that you like it very I much. I love this business. I, uh, honestly, it, for, for me and, and the lifestyle, it's, it's been fantastic. I've enjoyed every minute of it. It's, it's really terrific. But um, I, I would seriously tell people to look into what they're doing and, and really consider what they're doing when they try to get into this business because it's a tough slog, and a lot of times it's harder than you think. Now, I love going to work every day. I love what I do, I, and I do so many weird different things every day of the week. You know, I can be working on a second stage show one day and WABC another day and a fashion show the next day, and it's all really enjoyable, and I love it. But it's, it's really it's a tough thing, and if you can concentrate on one thing or another thing, it's probably a more sensible way to go about it. I don't, I don't think my career is a great example of a way to go, but... It is one way to go, but I think uh, if you kind of, you know, if I were to do it all over again, I'm honestly where well, I'd be a programmer in a minute, especially the way technology has really taken off. 
where I just sit behind a desk and program some beautiful looks, but that would be just wonderful. <laughs> but That's you know, something I, right there. I kind of pushed away the programmer thing to people who are better than it than I am, and uh, I keep putting shows together, put shows up, and and make things look good. All right, thanks very much, Joe. All right. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Casting Light Podcast. Big thanks to our guest this time, John Tease, and thank you to our co-host, Teresa Unfried. Visit her and her company at TajEventProductions.com. I'm your host, Jason Merritt, and this has been the Casting Light Podcast. Visit us on the web at CastingLightPodcast.com, on Twitter at PodcastingLight, and on Facebook at Casting Light Podcast. Thanks for downloading, thanks for listening, and have a good show.